It's 836, Jeff Wagner, 620 WTMJ. We start off every program with a segment I call Three Big Things, things that I think you need to know about to discuss at the water cooler, the coffee closet, the lunch table, or as the day goes on. And I now, understand today, I get that there's lots of things going on, and trust me, during the course of the next three and a half hours, we will discuss the allegations that Donald Trump advisors or aides were having contact with Russians that have been, I don't know, uh, identified on classified security documents that are now, I guess, apparently being leaked to the, the press. We'll, we'll talk about that and what that means and um, new a poll out talking about Donald Trump's job approval and all these different issues. So I understand there's all sorts of things going on, but there's some interesting three big things today. I want to start off with what Gene and Jane and Doug and I were just talking about. I spent a good portion of my evening last night sucked into watching the Westminster Dog Show. Now, I say sucked in, not in a bad way, because I, I had I was channel surfing, couldn't really find anything, ended up on the Westminster Dog Show like I did two nights ago, and my, my little dog is just fascinated by this. She, she will sit and watch the dogs on, on TV. Every once in a while, she'll kind of like growl under her breath because she barks the dog. It, it is the cutest thing in the world. That in and of itself is very cute. But I actually, I got drawn into this, and it's a huge, huge ratings grabber. What they do is they have a couple nights of competition, and they have the dogs that are put into different you know categories based on their breeds, and then you, you have the seven winners come out, and they they perform, and they're, they're judged, and then one of them is the best in show. And of course, the Wisconsin connection is the German Shepherd won this year, and uh, she her name is Rumor, and she's out of out of Edgerton. So that's very cool for the state. But it, it, it was just it was fascinating to watch. And I want to open up the phone lines four one four seven nine nine one six twenty eight hundred eight seven seven one six twenty. That's the Accident Mortgage Toll Free Talk Line. All right, big thing number one: the Westminster Dog Show comes to an end. The ratings for this will be huge. Did you watch the show? Did you enjoy it? And 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 I think large the point. What was the appeal of it? Like I say, I mean, I, I'm a dog owner. I'm a dog lover. Um, I, I don't show my dog. I have no intention of doing it. But it was just. It was just fascinating and mesmerizing to watch, and I thoroughly enjoyed it. 414-799-1620, That's the Acunet Mortgage toll-free talk line. Right, did you watch the dog show over the course of the last two nights? And and what made it so popular? If so, why did you why did you enjoy it? What is there about the dog show that I don't know attracts people like? Some people like to watch football. 414-799-1620, 800-877-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage Toll-Free Talk Line. Let's start with Mabel in Oak Creek. Mabel, good morning. You're first. Good morning, Jeff. How are you? I am well, thank you. I thoroughly enjoyed the show. You watched last night, I assume? I did. I've watched for the past several years. I've been out to Westminster several times. Beth Johnson from the, I'm going to correct myself on this one, Sheboygan or Green Bay, she has a top-notch golden retriever that I had on the floor shots when she was showing it for her owners um, that she bred for several years ago. So the problem they've had the past several years is no network takes Westminster seriously. This is like the Grand Dam. This is like the Kentucky Derby of mm-hmm. dog ra- of, ho- of horse racing. Right. So I was glad to see that the same network had it for both nights. There was a, you know, there was a few glitches with the announcers because they're not familiar with some of these breeds, but I think it's only going to get better. 
Um, What's it like to be there in person? I mean, you get the idea when you're watching on the TV, the crowd is cheering and going uh, going nuts on these different things. Is it as much fun to be there as it seems like when you watch the show on television? It is to a point. You get to see more on TV. I've had friends that invited me to their box seats. I've had friends that invited me to their nosebleed section seats. And I didn't want to be discourteous. <laughs> and I'd rather much be on the floor. Um, and it's, and it's, it's, a, it's an adrenaline rush. It's like fast, fast, fast. You got to, because the logistics of getting around Madison Square Garden have changed. Um, they've done some, revamping some, you know, major structural uh, challenges. I know a couple of years ago it was just horrible for the handlers to get in there. And loading and unloading your dogs on there is not a piece of cake. It is right. really difficult. Right. Very difficult. And to hear rumor, you know, just missed it last year. It was like he was a crowd fa- or she was a crowd yeah. favorite. And, of course, I see there there was the Bellington Terrier from, um, I can't remember the kennel name in West Bend. There's right. another one from with, that made the finals last night in the Terrier group. So I sit there and I watch and all oh, the these ter- other people. Oh, I didn't realize that. The Terrier was, I love the Terrier. The Terrier was such a cute little dog. Yep. Oh, that yeah, was that was the Bedlington. Yep, that oh. was Bedlington Terrier. Huh. And the Terrier that won the, ter- the Terrier that won the Terrier group last night is actually just across the border in Illinois. Okay. So, it's, yeah. I, I, I mean, I, I, it's funny. I thoroughly enjoyed it. Like I say, it was just, and, and you found yourself, at least I found myself, I know nothing about judging dogs or anything like that, but I was rooting for certain dogs. It was like, come oh, yeah. on, I want to pick that dog. Oh, and yeah. Such. yeah. 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 And That's... of course, we already got the, you know, the folks, the professional people this morning chiming in saying, I don't think the Irish Shutter should have got reserve. I don't, you know, it's like, you know, you're going to hear it from, from both ends, whether you have a dog in the political arena or not. I don't. And that's where I know a lot of the judges and they know I respect what they do, what they bring to the table. And, there are years of vast knowledge, and it's just it's it's exciting. It was it was I mean thanks to God it was it was it was just fun. It was just fun entertainment, and I admit I kind of got I, I more than kind of I, I got drawn into it, and I, I was actually it, it sort of held my attention, and it was kind of the point where okay I want to see which one of these dogs ends up winning. Yeah, reserve best in show is second place. That's like the that's like the runner-up sort of thing. And yes, it was the Irish setter. I would have been pulling for the terrier. Anyways, Westminster Dog Show comes to an end. They will be rerunning it. My advice is if you didn't see it and you love animals, or even if you just kind of want to see beautiful animals that are incredibly well-trained and things like that, it's worth watching. All right, big thing number two. Brendan Dassey's case is argued before the United States Court of Appeals. We will discuss. It's 843, Jeff Wagner, 620 WTMJ. It's 846, Jeff Wagner, 620 WTMJ. So very glad to have you with us. Uh, Late yesterday morning, the United States Court of Appeals for the Seventh Circuit, which is based in Chicago, heard the appeal of the Brandon Dassey case. Brandon Dassey, of course, the nephew of Stephen Avery. Dassey convicted of his role in the murder of Teresa Hallback. Um, Much of the conviction stemmed from Dassey's detailed confession as to his guilt. I think everybody is probably familiar with the way this has progressed. Uh, Dassey confesses. The confession is introduced at his trial. After the trial, he appeals his conviction, arguing in part that his confession was involuntary, that it was it was coerced, that it was the product of false promises by the investigators. That argument goes nowhere in the state of Wisconsin courts. 
So he is now sitting in prison, serving essentially what's going to be a life sentence. As prisoners often do, who are convicted after they've gone through the state court system, they then file an appeal in federal court. It's known as a habeas corpus petition. And the argument is, despite what the state courts say, um, I, the prisoner, am illegally being held because my, my conviction was in violation of my constitutional rights. My federal constitutional rights were violated. Forget what the state court of appeals or the state Supreme Court says. So um, they file these prisoner petitions. These these happen all the time, and almost always they are denied. In this case, Dassey's petition goes to a relatively new magistrate judge. Um, and magistrate judges, I've explained before, they're not federal judges. Federal judges are appointed by the president and confirmed by the Senate. Magistrate judges are hired by the judges to do preliminary work or handle routine proceedings. In this case, the magistrate judge who is assigned the case I think surprises a lot of people by ruling that the confession was, in fact, involuntary and ordering that Dassey should either be released or retried. Um, The state of Wisconsin appeals, and the argument was held in front of a three-judge panel yesterday. It is, and I've said this before, it is impossible, impossible to predict what an appellate court will do based on the questions they ask. But it appears that there's at least one judge who had some questions about what law enforcement was doing and and did they cross the line. There was another judge who said that he had watched the entire videotape of it and he just he didn't see where Dassey's will was being overborne um, by the, the, the questions. Um, third judge didn't ask as many questions. But in any event, the matter has been taken under advisement. The longer it takes for the court to reach a decision, the more likely it is, in my opinion, that Dassey's conviction will be upheld. I mean, if because he's in prison, if the panel goes back and they are convinced that there is either an innocent man who is sitting in prison or that there is someone who is in prison that has been convicted based on improper techniques or in violation of their constitutional rights, I would not be surprised to see an order come out relatively soon saying, hey, um, you know, he, he is to be released or he's to be retried in the next few days. If the decision takes a couple weeks or a couple months to come out, that to me is more of an indication that the Court of Appeals is going to uphold the conviction and reverse the magistrate judge. But, of course, this is getting a lot of attention because of the whole making the murderer thing. 414-799-1620, That is the Accident Mortgage toll-free talk line. One of the things that I think clearly came out of the hearing yesterday was the fact that I don't think there's any serious suggestion anymore that Dassey's confession was inaccurate. Um... Matter of fact, that the state, uh, the attorney who was arguing this was saying, look, if you look at the things that he was confessing, this, th- these major things, this was not stuff that was being planted by the investigators. Now, they did call him out on, on inconsistencies in his statement, but it's not like they were putting out the roadmap and saying, this is what you did, this is what you did, this is what you did, right, right, right. Instead, um, the state's argument is that the, the stuff that he was saying was in fact accurate, meaning I, I think the implication is the confession the confession of guilt was real. He did it, 
the issue then, of course, is was the confession involuntary? 414-799-1620, 800-877-1620. That is the Accident Mortgage Toll-Free Talk Line. All right, here is my question. Big thing number two. We don't know what the Court of Appeals is ultimately going to do with the legal issue. But here's what I want to talk to you about. Do you believe that it is an injustice that Brandon Dassey is serving a life sentence for his admitted involvement in the murder of Teresa Halbach? In order for justice to be served, does Brandon Dassey need to be released? 414-799-1620-800-877-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage Toll-Free Talk Line. All right, is it injust? Is it an injustice that he is in prison? Don't want to talk about Stephen Avery. That's a different situation. But the nephew, Brandon Dassey, is it an injustice that he is behind bars now? We discuss next. If you're on the line, please hold on. It's 852. Jeff Wagner, 620 WTMJ. It's 855. Jeff Wagner, 620 WTMJ. We're right in the middle of our three big things segment. Yesterday, Brandon Dassey's attorneys and the state square off in front of the United States Court of Appeals for the Seventh Circuit. I have said before that I think as a matter of law, the decision by the local magistrate judge throwing out the Dassey confession is wrong. And that's and again, I'm not criticizing the magistrate judge. The law is an art. It is not a science. People that's why you have so many split decisions on the United States Supreme Court. You have people that look at things and judges and justices just just disagree on things and their interpretation of the law. I think the local magistrate judge is is really is wrong, and I think the decision is inconsistent with a number of cases by the Seventh Circuit Court of Appeals, and that's what the judge, that's what the the, the guy who was arguing for the state was trying to make clear yesterday. It was like, look, we, we've had all sorts of history where there's juvenile confessions that have been withheld, upheld, and there's been a lot more, quote-unquote, pressure or coercion. Look, there's no question that when you have investigators who sit down and they are trying to figure out what happened in a crime, regardless of whether the crime is carjacking or auto theft or the brutal murder of a young woman. There are different techniques that they use in connection with the interrogation. You know, if you watch TV, you see the good cop, bad cop, where they try to, I don't know, again, make it seem like they're, they're the friends of the defendant. They, they do different things, and there are different techniques that you use in order to get somebody to talk. That is not unconstitutional. That is not a violation of, of people's rights. Now, you can't, you cannot lie to someone. You can't promise them something and then not deliver on that if that's something that they relied on in getting the statement. But if you watch the videotapes of the Dassey confession, it does not appear to be that that is going to be the case. The other, I think, overriding and overar- other overarching thing which plays into this case is I don't think there's a lot of serious arguments. And I understand if you if you go into the the fever swamps of the making the murder documentaries, you you you, you might disagree. But in reality, I don't think there's any real question in too many mind, people's minds that Brendan Dassey did what he said he did. In other words, let's put aside for a moment the question of, you know, was the confession involuntary? And that's going to be a fact-based thing. I think most people are going to look, most people, I think, believe that, yes, what he said, what he said and the details he had 
are something, are details that you would only have had were you there when Stephen Avery was in the process of murdering Teresa Halbach. So guess the bottom line of all this is I believe, and I have believed all along, that he is guilty as you know what. Now, will a majority of the panel in the Seventh Circuit say that regardless of the fact that he is guilty, that his confession is valid, we find it to be involuntary? I don't believe that that is going to be the case. But again, maybe I'm going to ultimately be proved wrong. But if you're asking me, do I think that there is a grave injustice being done by the fact that Brendan Dassey was, number one, convicted, and number two, is still sitting in prison? I, I'm sorry. There, there might be innocent people that are sitting in prison. I will accept that as a premise. Most people that are in prison are guilty. Does the system make mistakes from time to time? Yes, I acknowledge that. Is this a situation where I believe making of a murderer notwithstanding that um, this is a case where there is an innocent man sitting in prison for a crime that he did not commit, you will never convince me of that. Again, the best advice I would give, watch how quickly the court comes out with a decision. If if a majority of the panel believes that the young man's constitutional rights were violated, I would not be surprised to see a decision come out soon. On the other hand, if the conclusion is, now we, we, think, we think everything is fine, then then there's not as much of a rush. It's not as time-sensitive to come out with a decision. Big thing number three is coming up. She's an awful mother. Should she be allowed to have more kids? Stick around. It's 859. Jeff Wagner, 620 WTMJ. Seven Jeff Redner, 620 WTMJ. Let me invite you to go to WTMJ.com. Um, we have lots of new postings up there every day. We put up the three big things segment. We're right in the middle of that to give you a head start. But also um, our, our WTMJ, our mobile app page, we now, by popular demand, we, we have a number of podcasts. Um, we, we podcast this show. We podcast Sports Central, and I know lots of people are. So you can just sign up for the regular downloads. You can listen to it there. And I know because we get the numbers, lots of people are doing that. But in addition, we have a variety of other podcasts from people who you, you don't hear on the radio on a regular basis. And it, it's um, we're going to be growing it. It's really something that's very exciting. So check that out. That is at our podcast page. We start out every program, like I say, with three big things. This is story number three, and I've actually been waiting all day to discuss this with you because I'm, I'm fascinated by this. At what point do we in a society have a right to say to somebody, you are irresponsible, your irresponsible conduct is affecting other people, and you have to stop, and unless you stop, we are going to impose consequences. All right, here's the deal. There's there's a judge. and matter of fact, she retired at the end of last year. So this is one of her final rulings. This is based out of Rochester, New York. Here's the story. A Western New York judge, Rochester, New York judge, has ordered a mother not to get pregnant again. Let's stop. This judge is telling this woman not to get pregnant again. Oh, how terrible that is. Well, here's what's happened. Until she is able to get her life together, and become a responsible caretaker for her children. The ruling came after a fourth child was taken from the woman because of child neglect. Here's the story. The woman, who um, is referred to, they call her in court documents Brandy, 
is a sex worker and a drug addict who admittedly has, who's allegedly admitted to ingesting crack cocaine, methadone, and alcohol while pregnant. All right. Um, this was a decision that came out at the end of December after her fourth child was removed from her custody after he was born in 2016 prematurely and immediately began showing signs of drug withdrawal. He was the woman's fourth child and her third to be born addicted to drugs. Her first child, born in 2007, has lived with his maternal grandmother after it was discovered he was not protected from access to um, hypothermic needles. Judge says over and over again, this court has had to order children removed from the mother only to see her show up in court a few months later, obviously pregnant, often by another man, while the five department caseworkers in social services and the court are still working to help that very mother get her already born child or children returned. So what the judge is saying is we keep going through this cycle. Woman gets pregnant. She's drug addicted. She has a baby who's addicted to drugs. We are trying to, you know, the kid has had to be removed because of child neglect. We're trying to work with her to get her to straighten up so she can get the kid back. She shows up in court. She's pregnant again, mostly by a different guy. She's still using drugs. So what the judge says is, look, here's the deal. Ultimately, our goal is to try to reunite this mother with her children. But the truth is, that can't happen until the mother's life stabilizes, if the mother's life ever stabilizes. So the judge says, look, these are these neglect cases. I, I'm not going to I'm not going to put you in jail for child neglect, but here's the deal. Moving forward, you can't get pregnant again. And if you do get pregnant again, well, then there's going to be consequences, including the fact that I might put you in prison. This is one of the orders, one of the conditions, uh, given the mess that your life is, one of the conditions is no more getting pregnant. And if you do, you're probably going to go to jail. Now, this has gotten all sorts of outrage by the civil liberties types. How dare you, judge, come in and tell this woman that you know her, her uh, procreative rights should be limited. You have no authority. This is horrible. If this woman wants to have sex and produce drug-addicted children, well, that then become wards of the state um, and have to be taken away. All right, you have no business to tell her that she shouldn't be able to have kids. 414-799-1620, 800-877-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Toll-Free Talk Line. Is the judge taking an unreasonable position? Now, now, normally, you know, we we don't. It is a free country. We don't tell people, we don't tell people what they can do. We don't tell people that they can't have sex. We don't tell people, as a general rule, that they they can't get pregnant. We we don't say that. But in this particular case, you've got a drug addicted mother who's been in and out of the court system, who's had four kids taken away because of child neglect, and now she's pregnant again. All right. Is the judge out of line to say, hey, if you want to stay out of jail, you've got to stop just pounding out kids? 414-799-1620 is the number we discuss uh, next. If you're on the line, please hold on. 
15, Jeff Wagner, 620 WTMJ. One more game before the All-Star break. The Bucks are in Brooklyn tonight taking on the Nets and looking for their third straight win. Our coverage starts with Ted Davis's Buckshot 610 here on WTMJ. Jan in Brown Deer. Jan, good morning. Good morning. What do you think? Um, so I can see how anyone listening could be like, oh, yeah, that woman shouldn't have any more kids, but um, which I totally agree with. But I do not think that that should be a legal matter because once you open that can of worms, then now a judge can decide or the law can decide who should and shouldn't have kids. Then we, you know, we just open up a can of worms and who decides who should have kids. Rather than that, in this situation, I don't understand why this woman is not in jail hey. for her neglect. Why are we threatening jail when she should be there you, you would, Right. Well, because, right, as a practical matter, um, this woman's life seems so out of control that my guess is she's not going to pay attention to the order anyways. And my guess is she's right. going to turn up pregnant again um, as, as quickly as she possibly can. Um, so I agree with you. I would put her in jail. But let's talk about the basic premise. I mean, why... If if it's an alternative, for example, we say to people as a condition of of not going to jail, as a condition of probation, you, you can't you can't have a gun. I mean, is that really any different than saying, OK, as a condition of probation, you, you cannot get pregnant? Now, again, I appreciate it might not work, but I mean, shouldn't right. judges yeah, be able to do that? Bring up an interesting point. I actually disagree that people shouldn't be allowed to have guns. I think that um, I think that that um, even people on probation should have the right to bear arms. Mm-hmm. So you picked a good topic on okay. that. <laughs> okay. Well, Lee, okay. Well, I pre- I at least think, you're consistent. I, mean, I do agree okay. parameters can be put, but I think that when you're talking about getting pregnant and things like that, then you, you are now, you're not talking about, um, okay, you can't drive or you can't, you right. know, you're, you're talking about more, Right. I mean, right. Yeah. There's there's clearly a difference between like driving in your example, which is is a privilege. It's not a right. And obviously, the right, right to, to to procreate. Procreate. Okay. Thanks for. I mean, see, I guess I, I I look at this, and the way I analyze it is, if if as a if if you if the choice is, you could be in prison for child neglect, or you could be on the street. But as a condition of being on the street, you're told that you have to. And, and we're, we're not telling her that she can't have sex. Um, we're telling her that you, you can't get pregnant. Now, obviously, in a situation like this, having sex is probably not in the, the wisest thing. But at the same time, is it really that hard not to get pregnant nowadays? Um, now, obviously, in this woman's case, especially in a history like this where you have, okay, she, she's produced four children. She's got four children. She's pregnant with a fifth. All of them have been taken from her. The court system is, the judge says there's five caseworkers working with this woman, trying to help her get her life back together and get her off drugs, and she continues to show up pregnant, again, impregnated by a different guy who's obviously not going to be part of her life. Um, she's continuing to use drugs, so the children are being born in a drug-addicted type of state. I mean, don't those children have any rights either? Let's talk to Linda in Wauwatosa. Linda, you're on 620 WTMJ. Good morning. Hi, Jeff. Hi, Linda. Um, I am 150% in favor of putting some kind of birth control in her arm. There is, you know, medical forms of birth control that can last anywhere from two to five years. And it's not a permanent thing. I would never be in favor of having her tubes tied or something like that. That is permanent. But there is plenty of birth control out there that give this woman five years 
of not getting pregnant and see where her life is at that point. And now I you realize, of, Linda, there's all these civil libertarians that are listening to you right now that are screaming at the radio going, you, you would deny this woman the ability to continue to you know, provide children? To which the answer well, is, yeah. <laughs> if yes, you've demonstrated exactly. that you are irresponsible, and how is it fair to the kids that, that, that she is producing that, you know, you're, they're, they're born drug addicted, for goodness sakes, well, and, you know, and they become wards of the state? And, and to be honest, so I have a relative who adopted a child out of foster care in Milwaukee. And how is it fair to these foster parents? You know, this child has a lot of issues. It's constant therapy. It's constant, you know, sure. acting out in school, and it all stems from being neglected as an infant. Sure. So, you know, not all of these things can be reversed, even in a very loving home. So yeah. it may not be fair for her, but how is it fair to the um, right, foster to the, parents or well, the adoptive parents? Right, oh, and not to mention the kids themselves. Correct. <laughs> right. Thanks. Correct. For, right. Yeah, not not to mention the kids. Yeah. No. Thanks to call. And, and and again, I, I mean, I see. I appreciate what our first caller was talking about about the slippery slope that's out there about how you know you, you know what what is the next step? Are judges ordering forced sterilization? Are judges going to say, okay, you know, we're we're going to limit you to you know this or that or the other thing? But but at the same time, when you have somebody who has demonstrated a pattern of irresponsibility and and behavior which is criminal. I mean, we're, we're talking about child neglect here. See, the way I always analyze this is if you could put somebody in jail for doing what they did, I, I don't understand how – I do think that you should have the right to say, okay, as an alternative to going to jail, here's what, what's going to happen. If you continue to engage in this conduct, which has resulted in all these problems and got you in trouble in the first place – yeah, then, then you're going to go to jail. But if you can reform yourself, if you can change the conduct, then I'm going to give you a chance. Now, I do. Look, I didn't just fall off the turnip truck. I appreciate that the I appreciate that the the idea that this woman is going to stop doing what she's doing, given you know her track record going back to 2007. And I always hope for the best. I think people can be reformed. I I, I believe in the better angels of our nature. I think people can in fact change. But under these particular circumstances unless and until she's willing to demonstrate that she can change her behavior and showing up in court, you know, as you're fighting, you know, over, trying to get your fourth child back who was drug addicted and you show up, you know, with your fifth child while you're still taking crack cocaine or meth or whatever, that tells me that you're not in a position right now that you've made that commitment to change your life. Dick and Grafton. Dick, good morning. You're on 620 WTMJ. Jeff, I, as I told your screener, uh, number one, I, I don't understand why she's not in jail. Right. Uh, and then to the larger question, I would I would support um, having her tubes tied. Uh, oh, so you'd go farther. You, you'd you'd for enforce some form of like mandatory, at least temporary sterilization, so she's not able to get pregnant again, huh? Correct. And I understand that you know there's there's people who have just stood up and they're pounding on their radio right now, but. If, if we were talking about the second or third child, I'm, I might not be so hard-nosed about it, but... We're talking about the fifth and, prospectively, more moving forward, yes. Right. I mean, this, for, for her to, to turn her life around uh, is, 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 is going to be a, a extremely, uh, almost impossible task. Yep. And 
and to talk about what she's doing to these children and the lives that they're going to live up you know, to, to, to live down the road. Yeah. Uh, at some point, uh, someone who has this outrageous, completely irresponsible and immoral behavior, something has to be done. Yeah, yeah. And I, I mean, thanks for taking. I mean, let, let's just leave it. Let's not even put in the morality of it, but it's just the the ultimate irresponsibility that then that draws government resources. Like the judge says, she's got four or five caseworkers that, that are working, you know, with her, trying to get her clean, trying to get her sober, trying to reunite the family because that's their ultimate goal. But that's so you, you've got those expenditure of resources. You've got the kids and the kids themselves. I mean, don't we care about the kids that are born, you know, uh, addicted to crack or things like that? Lisa in Dousman. Lisa, good morning. You're in 620 WTMJ. Um, good morning, Jeff. I am just calling because we are a family that did adopt a newborn child from a mother, a birth mother that did drink, do drugs, smoke. Um, I right. knew her since she was 19. This was her third baby that she had. We wanted to try to adopt them all. Um, anyway, so we adopted him as a newborn and he has a lot of special needs. And now she has another child and pregnant again. All of them have different fathers. Yep. We DNA tested three guys. None of them were our son's father, so we don't know anything about it. And even her whole family members, like I said, I knew her since she was very young, all agree that she should be scared. I'm sorry, you still there, Lisa? They're, in the system. Yeah. They're okay. moving around town to town, guy to guy. Um, I pray to God, you know, I pray to God for the other children. I thank God we have our son. Yeah, and and again, and it's not, and and it, it's not. It, and look, I, I don't want to be obsessed on money, but it's a drain on the system because I'm sure you've got all the social workers. There, there's all the we're working with with the mom, and then she's still continuing to get pregnant. She's not changing her behavior. It's yeah. not fair to the kids that she's producing. Just on, on so many different levels, at some point in time, if people are going to behave in an irresponsible fashion. You you have to tell them just say no, don't you? Absolutely. It just it breaks your heart when you. As close as we were and saw everything going on between all the children and now what we're dealing with with our son, it breaks your heart for the children and the system. Um, how old is your son now? He is 11, and um, kudos to Kettle Moraine School District for the IEP program. They're wonderful. They're, they step in and do a lot of help for our child, so we're very blessed. But there's no question that some of the issues that your adoptive son is facing now trace back to the condition, that the, the stuff was mom, that mom was doing you know, when she was carrying him. Absolutely, and we even um, called the state to try to talk to them about the other two children with the abuse that we knew was going on, and I hate to say it, um, they turned a blind eye. So she has four other children, well, three other with her and pregnant again. So, well. but, yeah, it's sad. <laughs> it's sad. I know, I'm, no. but, I mean, we all need to fight for them, and, and just, like I said, we're blessed that we have them in our care and not hers because he's living a totally different life than her sibling, um, or his sibling, sorry. Well, um it, it, it's great that you're doing what you're doing, Lisa, and I know you love your adoptive son. I can just Thank tell you. Sure. Take care of that. I mean, again, it's, and people can decide on the ethics. And see, I just don't see this as necessarily even, I, I mean, is the conduct appalling? Absolutely. Um, but, you know, shouldn't judges be able to say, when people simply behave in irresponsible fashions, shouldn't judges be able to say, enough is, is enough, especially when your behavior doesn't just affect you, but it affects. Your, your, in this case, your, your children or your unborn children and, and, the, and the system and everybody around them. Just ask it. Nine 
635, Jeff Wagner, 620 WKMJ, coming up in less than a half hour as part of our Dealer's Choice segment, which I think is one of the most talkable topics of the day. Um, an ESPN commentator fired, he says it's political correctness run amok plus ignorance. We will discuss. It's going to be an interesting conversation. All right, here's the um, here's the story that caught my attention. It's, it's a woman who recently relocated from Dearborn, Michigan to Portland, right? Portland, Oregon. And she left her seven-year-old golden retriever. This is this comes in the shadow of the Westminster Dog Show. She left her seven-year-old golden retriever, his name was Jacob, with her mother while she was getting, you know, resettled. So now she's resettled in Portland, and it's time for the golden retriever to join her. So what she does is she makes arrangements to have the dog flown from Detroit out to Portland, Oregon. And United Airlines has this this program they call Pet Safe. And the idea is the, the dog is supposed to be flown from Detroit to Chicago, one hour layover, and then change planes, and then Chicago to uh, Portland, Oregon. Well, here's the story, and this this is going viral. All right, she. I'm going to read you her Facebook post. Now, she posted this uh, three or four days ago. Um, her name is Kathleen Considine. Hi, friends. I'm asking all dog lovers to pre- please read and share this post. The word needs to get out that the airline that airline travel is unsafe for dogs. They are treated like baggage instead of loyal, loving family members. I am absolutely disgusted with the way United Airlines is responding to my best friend Jacob's death this past week. That's the Golden Retriever. Jacob was supposed to fly from Detroit to Portland with a one-hour layover in Chicago. At 80 pounds, Jacob needed a giant crate for his journey, and there was a question as to whether or not it would fit on the plane. The airline agent in Detroit confirmed Jacob would fit on his first and second flight. No question. Jacob went for a mandatory physical less than 24 hours before his flight, where he was cleared for airline travel with no previous health concerns. When Jacob landed in Chicago, it was found that the airline agent lied and that he did not fit on the plane to Portland. Now, she says lied. Might have just been mistaken, but regardless. So they got to switch him, but the plane they are using to fly from Chicago to Portland um, isn't big enough for, for the crate. He was then sent to a kennel overnight, 20 hours until the next flight out that he could fit on. The airline did not allow my mother to send food with Jacob due to the intended short duration of his journey, even though it is mandated that the crates have a food bowl and their website states they may have a Ziploc bag, less than one pound of food attached to the top of the crate. When Jacob finally arrived in Portland, he was disoriented and non-responsive. The United agent said the airline may have given him medication but didn't know. The airline does not have the right to give medication, especially without telling us when or why. After his three-hour journey to Central Oregon, Jacob was still non-responsive and getting worse. My very best friend, who I was expecting to trample me with kisses, barely even acknowledged my existence. There was clearly something wrong when he landed in Portland. He was not the same dog he was when he was in Detroit. After rushing Jacob to the emergency vet when his breathing became scarce, he was pronounced dead after eight minutes of CPR. His stomach flipped due to the stress of his journey that was 20 hours longer than expected and suffocated his organs. United Airlines is assuming zero responsibility for the death of my best friend. Jacob was a happy, healthy, seven-year-old golden retriever who loved me and every single being he met unconditionally. Nothing will bring my baby back, but I'm asking everyone to please share this post so nobody else has to go through this terrible tragedy. This is her writing. 
United Airlines' pet safe program is cruel. They treat animals like baggage. They did not care if Jacob had food or water or any time out of his cage. They are incredibly rude and have shown no sympathy for my dog's death. I would have received the same responses if they would have broken my guitar in baggage. The airline is ignoring my questions and concerns, so I'm turning my attention to Facebook in hopes to spread the word. I am asking everyone to please share and get the word out about this terrible, negligent company. My heart is broken, and I never want this to happen to another dog parent. Rest in peace, um, my sweet polar bear. I love you forever. Now, United Airlines um, has issued a statement. This is what they say. We are we were saddened to hear of Jacob's passing after we returned him to the care of his owner. Our pet safe team is committed to the safety and comfort of all pets that travel with us. We work to ensure Jacob's comfort throughout his entire journey, and he showed no signs of distress, nor behaved in a way that would suggest he was unwell while in our care. Though we understand little can ease the grief that accompanies the loss of a pet, we have been in touch with Ms. Constantine to offer our condolences and discuss the matter further. We did not medicate Jacob. We provided water for him and made certain he was comfortable throughout his travels. So that's what United Airlines says. The mom says uh, that something went wrong here. They told me that this dog would be able to go on both planes. Turned out he, he just sort of was, for 20 hours, he was in this kennel that we were told wasn't going to happen, and it sounds like the dog just died of, of stress. All right, 414-799-1620, 800-877-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage Toll-Free Talk Line. Now, I, I know you, like me, perhaps just love love your pet. Is this just one of the risks you take when you, say, ship your pet, you know, across the country like this woman woman did? Um, or is this just one of the risks? Is this just one of the things that can happen? Or does it sound like United Airlines screwed up somewhere? 414-799-1620, 800-877-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Toll-Free Talk Line. And the real problem to me sounds like that what was supposed to be, you know, a couple hour trip ended up taking a lot longer because the crate he was in wouldn't fit on the plane for the leg between Chicago and Portland. And so instead of being immediately sent, um, he, he ended up being held somewhere for 20 hours. 414-799-1620, 800-877-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage toll-free talk line. All right, does the dog's owner have a right to be upset with United Airlines, or is this just the risk that you take when you ship a pet across the country? 942, we discuss next. If you're on the line, please hold on. Jeff Wagner, 620 WTMJ. It's 945, Jeff Wagner, 620 WTMJ. Okay, this woman has taken to Facebook, um, essentially blaming United Airlines for the death of her dog. She was shipping the dog across the country what happened is dog gets to Chicago, and contrary to what United told her, the dog's crate is too big to fit on the plane that was then flying from Chicago to Portland, Oregon. Dog had to be kenneled for 20 hours. Dog gets to Portland, and something had happened along the way. They think the stress of the trip and the extra kenneling had done something to the dog's stomach, and the dog ends up dying. Woman is now very, very public, and this, this story is just going viral this morning, talking about how, hey, United Airlines, it's not safe to have fly these dogs, and, and you shouldn't do it. Sarah in Brookfield. Sarah, good morning. You're first. Good morning, Jeff. How are you? I am well, thank you. Although I have to tell you, this story, as a dog owner and a dog lover, this story goes through me. <laughs> yes, this is actually the first time I've ever called into a radio show, so that's how passionate I am about okay. oh, my dog. <laughs> well, welcome. <laughs> um, what do you think? <laughs> <laughs> um, I have a... a 
two thoughts on it. I don't think United is totally uh, to blame because all dog owners know that flying is extremely stressful to dogs. And it is only, I've never, I've had a dog, she's 14, I have never, and never will let her fly just because of the stress of it. And um, so, number one, you know what's stressful going into it. Number two, if you absolutely have to fly like she had to because she was flying, she was relocating, I would have flown to Dearborn and been on the same plane that my dog was on to make yeah. sure that if there was a problem, I was there. Yeah. And that would have eliminated the problem in Chicago. So I don't think, yes, it's terrible, it's very sad, um, but I don't think it is totally to blame because she could have been more active in the traveling situation. Well, you know, Sarah, I mean, I guess, and some people are going to roll their eyes at what I'm about to say now, but I mean, this is... To me, this is a similar sort of thing to what happens sometimes when people have young children that travel unattended, uh, which is one of the things that's easy for me to say because I don't have young kids. But, you know, the situations where, okay, you know, mom and dad are divorced and dad's living halfway across the country. So what they do is they put the, the kids on the plane and then what ends up happening is bad weather occurs or the, something happens with the connection. And then you've got the kids that are, you know, flying from Chicago to Los Angeles and they're stuck in Kansas um, and nobody can get to them. And, and, you know, you wonder and then they're, they're traumatized by that. Now, I understand pets are different than kids, but I, exactly to your point, this is um, I, I'm sure it's it's an uncomfortable type of thing. And, you know, I don't think I would have done it either. Yeah. 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 I, I just. As a loving pet owner, I guess just think some people you have to, but I think she could have done some things to alleviate the problem. Yeah, thank, thank, I mean, right, I guess I'm not sure. My big concern, thanks for the call, my big concern is with, with United Airlines, if, if to me their big error is that this, it sounds like it was a foreseeable thing. I mean, they apparently checked, and they were told that the cage, the crate, was big enough to fit on that second flight. Um, it's not like... If this had been a weather delay or something that happened or the flight gets canceled because of mechanical reasons, that, that might be a different sort of story. The other thing that's tough to tell is, was it the kenneling? Was it that extra 20 hours? Or was it just the stress of the flight? I mean, one of the reasons this went through me is I, I will tell you, I, I sort of wrestle with this issue. I mean, it's no secret. I've been saying that while I don't ever see leaving you know this, this area permanently, I, I can easily envision at some point in time – you know, buying a second place in a warmer climate that I hang out in from time to time. And I've got this little dog that's going to be a part of my life for, for a long time now. And, I mean, would I ever ship her without me? No. I mean, I'd be nervous enough. Now, my dog is big enough, is small enough that she could fit on a plane with me. And, you know, if, if I have to pay an extra fee or something, that doesn't matter. But, I mean, that's stressful enough. But, um, you know, if I ever do that... She's traveling on the plane, in the cabin, with me in a little container. But that's easy enough for me to do because she's five pounds. If you had, I mean, I understand how you can't necessarily do that with retrievers. But this, you know, this goes, it just absolutely goes through you. And it does underscore, I think, that the dangers that are there and what happens when you make the decision that you're going to do one of these kind of, um, you know, transportation things. Um, a where you do end up, you know, losing control. Let's talk to Marianne and Racine. Marianne, good morning. You're at 620 WTMJ. Hi. My Hi. question is, where was this dog for 20 hours, and did anybody look at her or check on her? You know, if they, if there was a layover for 20 hours, that's an incredible amount of time for any person or, mm -hmm. you know, live animal. 
Yeah. Yeah, they, 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 now United Airlines says she was put in a kennel and she was given water. Now, whether she was let out of the kennel, you know, at any point in time and walked or whether she was given food, I tend to doubt that she was given any food because they, they tried to send food with her on the trip and United wouldn't let them do that. So, um, I guess yeah, that she even, was given water. Even yeah. if they didn't have food, that wouldn't be so terrible as to having a dog being in a strange place in a tiny kennel yeah. or wherever it is. Yeah. She was put for 20 hours. I mean, you know, if you're stuck on a plane for four hours in your seat, <laughs> that's pretty stressful, too. But, yeah. you know, somebody should have, you know, said, hey, well, we have these dogs over here. There's probably more than one, I would imagine. Yeah. Well, also, I mean, I, I think, I mean, I guess I, I go back to if you want to find United to be negligent in any way, I, I start with this idea of if they really told her, told the lady, hey, there's no problem that the crate that the dog is in is going to fit on both these planes we, we've checked it out um and then all of a sudden you find that in her post on facebook she's saying that united lied to her i don't i don't necessarily buy that the agent lied to her i think it's more likely they were just wrong you know they say okay i i thought the crate would fit once it got to chicago it turned out it didn't fit that's where i think if you want to try to find negligence on the part of united it's like wait i made arrangements you told me that this was going to be the smooth trip. I would never have agreed to this if I had known that there was going to be a 20-hour layover because, you know, that the plane wouldn't be big enough to handle it. Now, again, when you do this, you do run some risk. If this had been, gee, the flight got canceled because of weather or the flight got canceled because there was a mechanical problem, we would be different. But in this case, it does seem like the lady did everything she possibly could and through no fault of her own, but rather through United, if this is true, United telling her, yeah, we can put this crate on the plane and then not being able to do it. Uh, that to me, that to me is where the negligence comes in. But I bring this up because I don't know, just cause to think if you're ever thinking about shipping a dog across the country with you not being on that plane. Jeff Wagner, 620 WTMJ. When you think of startups, your mind may first go to Silicon Valley. But new reports are calling Milwaukee one of the most amazing, unexpected places for a startup business. Get the entire story on Wisconsin's Afternoon News. Be sure to tune in at 434 today. Okay, Hondo, I blame this on you producing the show today and you're like you're like fine whatever no i'm just I'm, I'm just a little bit behind i've been intrigued by some of the stories coming up in the next hour the long knives are out for kellyanne conway new fox news poll about donald trump's popularity and dealer's choice which i think is the most talkable topic of the day an espn commentator gets fired for making allegedly racist remarks what he said what he meant and what people heard We'll be discussing all that, so stick around. Uh, a couple updates. This is, it's just a horrible story. And it's one of the things that's so frustrating. I hate to talk about this stuff when you don't have solutions. But the, the truth is, crime in Milwaukee, crime in Milwaukee County, crime in this area is out of control, particularly juvenile crime. I am not naive. I understand that there has always been juvenile crime that's out there, but I swear it seems to me it is getting worse. The number of juveniles, they're grabbing guns and going out and behaving without any regard for any sort of civilized parameters, whether it's carjackings, whether it's armed robberies, or whether it's murders. We talked about this yesterday morning. Um, West Dallas teenager, there was a, there was a 19-year-old 
guy, man, who was shot and killed during an armed robbery that occurred over the weekend. At the same time the 19-year-old was shot, his 17-year-old brother was wounded in the shooting. And this shooting occurred 10 a.m. Sunday, not 2 a, two in the night morning, 10 a.m. Sunday in a home in the 2100 block of South 89th Street, according to the West Dallas Police. Well, the shooter, as it turns out, was a 14-year-old West Dallas boy. 14-year-old boy, armed with a gun, trying to rob these two brothers, the 19-year-old and the 17-year-old. The 14-year-old had a, wait for it, a 13-year-old accomplice. Well, okay, the story was the 19-year-old died as a result of the shooting. Unfortunately, the update is the 17-year-old has now also died. So you have these two teenagers, 19 and 17, who are now dead, victims of gunshots, shots fired by a 14-year-old who together with his 13-year-old accomplice were apparently engaging in an armed robbery at 10 o'clock on a, a Sunday morning. Now, there haven't been formal charges issued against the 14-year-old yet. My guess is, you know, we'll have them. As I said yesterday, I don't know for certain, but my guess is it's not going to be the 14-year-old's first time at the rodeo. I mean, maybe he did just wake up Sunday morning and decide, hey, today's the day I'm going to go grab a gun and go stick up people and then be willing to shoot them if they don't give me whatever it is that I, I want. Okay, So maybe maybe that's possible, but in all likelihood, the 14-year-old has probably been through the quote-unquote juvenile system on multiple occasions in the past. So now you have two lives that are taken, a 19-year-old and a 17-year-old. You have the 14-year-old who will, in all likelihood, be spending you know the rest of or most of his natural life behind bars, appropriately so. Who knows what ends up happening to the 13-year-old. But, I mean, when we talk about juvenile crime, for everybody or anybody who thinks that, gee, we don't need penalties, we don't need accountability – just remember this, two young men dead as the result of an armed robbery committed by a 14-year-old. Okay, coming up, our dealer's choice topic, ESPN commentator being fired, new numbers for Donald Trump, and Kellyanne Conway, the long knives are out. Stick around, 959, Jeff Wagner, 620 WTMJ. 608, Jeff Wagner, 620 WTMJ, Michelle Richards. Yes, sir. Okay, can I put you on the spot? Oh, sure, why not? <laughs> okay, think think back to your like grade school English. Okay. Do you remember what a homonym is? It is a, a t- word that sounds similar but is spelled different? Well, it's a word that, uh, close. No, see now you're you're very close. Absolutely. Okay, Hondo, who's producing the show. Oh, I just got this panicked look on your face. <laughs> <laughs> that was a look of absolute panic. Okay, do you know what a homonym is? Michelle was kind of Two words that look the same but have different. You, you guys are both. We're close. See, you're right. <laughs> you guys are both. Right. I mean, right. A homonym is a word, are words that sound alike but have different meanings. So, I mean, so you guys were you're right around there. Sound, for example, um, uh, one of the common examples, um, buy, buy, and buy. Like, you could buy, B-Y, you know, um, something that's, you know, besides something else. Buy, B-U-Y, mm-hmm. you purchase something. Or buy, B-Y-E, like, see you later, right. bye. Okay, so the, those would be homonyms. Um, yeah, um, write and write. Write, like W-R-I-T-E, write, and write, R-I-G-H-T. Okay, those are those are homonyms. They, they're pronounced the same, and but they have markedly different meanings. 
Got it. Yes. Okay. Good. All right. So okay, you you, you got it. they they are they are homonyms. All right. Now that is important to lead into our next topic. You can leave now. That's a, you you pass the test, Michelle. Very good. Any more grammar questions? No, no. I was, I, <laughs> I feel like I'm on fire now. Okay. <laughs> right. So Hondo is suggesting ask her about clauses and things like that. No, 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 no. We're just okay. They they are homonyms. But this is the point. This this is a somewhat common thing in the English language that there you you've got again. The, the homonyms, um, stationary versus stationary. You've got like stationary bikes, that's S-T-A-T-I-O-N-A-R-Y, versus stationary like pens, pencils, that's S-T-A-T-I-O-N-E-R-Y. Okay, different, they sound alike, but they mean different things. All right, <sighs> I want to tell you a story about a lawsuit that was filed the other day by a guy named Doug Adler. Doug Adler was a veteran ESPN announcer who was fired during commentary he was giving during the Australian Open, accusing him of using an ethnic slur against Venus Williams, who is, of course, a tennis superstar. She is African-American. Her and her her sister, um, Serena, have dominated women's tennis. All right, there are two words in the English language, which again, I, I'm, see, and I'm not even sure this word is is English. It's probably a, a you know foreign description, but there is the word gorilla, G O R I L L A, as in Samson the gorilla is at the Milwaukee County Zoo. It refers to the animal, right? And in certain contexts, you will have people who, in making racist slurs, will refer to people of African Americans as gorillas. That that is that is would be I mean I always remember the Patrick Ewing who was the great player for Georgetown and the New York Knicks. I mean that the the abuse that he was subjected to but especially when he's in college. I mean that that was it. He's a gorilla. I mean all these very very racist slurs. So I mean gorilla which refers to again the the animal but could be used as a racist slur. There is another word that sounds like exactly like gorilla, G-O-R-I-L-L-A. It is gorilla, G-U-E-R-R-I-L-L-A. Gorilla, um, as in, well, there's a couple meanings. A member of a small independent group taking part in irregular fighting, typically against a larger regular force. So guerrilla warfare, right. Um, you know, the, the U.S., when the U.S. was fighting in South Vietnam, they were encountering, you know, opposition from a guerrilla force. That would be an example. When uh, Fidel Castro led the revolt in Cuba against the Batista regime, it was a guerrilla. He led guerrilla fighters. Okay, so it, it can be a noun, guerrilla. If you are one of those fighters, you are a, a, a guerrilla. G U E R R I L L A. You are not. You are not the animal, you are that fighter, okay? You could also, it also refers to activities performed in an impromptu way, often without um, authorization, like guerrilla theater. Okay, so that's, that, that's the other legitimate meaning of the word. All right, now in tennis, you, I, I just remember this because I've had people in my life who were huge, who were huge tennis fans. There is, there's a phrase that has been going around in tennis for for years 
and years. And, and it's essentially, it's called, you know, Gorilla Tennis. And G, it's not G-O-R-I-L-L-A. It's Gorilla, G-U-E-R-R-I-L-L-A. Um, it's been around for years. As a matter of fact, Gorilla Tennis was featured in a Nike ad from the 1990s featuring Andre Agassi and Pete Sampras. And, and it's been a phrase that has been used for a long time, and it refers to, again, it refers to a tennis player who is using an unorthodox attacking style guerrilla tennis, guerrilla theater, guerrilla warfare, right? That's, that's it. So here you have this guy. He's calling the Australian Open. Um, he's been working for ESPN since about 2008, and one of the things he does is he covers the world's biggest tennis matches. All right, so what happens is last month, He's covering the Australian Open, which is one of the major championships, and he's covering a match in which Venus Williams is playing. Venus Williams, of course, one of the tennis superstars. She is black. And in the as, he, as he's describing the match, he goes on to say that she is using, that the technique she is using is the gorilla effect. That's what he says. He doesn't say, I mean, he doesn't say G-U-E-R-R-I-L-L-A. He says it's it's the gorilla effect. And he is referring to the, the this gorilla theater, gorilla tennis. That's what he's referring to, a phrase that is commonly used in you know tennis parlance, again, to refer to sort of an unorthodox attacking style. Well, all right, so he says it's the gorilla effect. A number of people start to call in and complain. This guy is a racist so-and-so. He called Venus Williams. You know, he said, he essentially implied that she was a gorilla, and this is racist, etc. To which he says, I know, this, this is a term in tennis. I, the, these people, yes, I, I said gorilla, but I didn't say gorilla, G-O-R-I-L-L-A. I was using the term gorilla effect. This is what I was referring to. It goes back to the Nike ads. This is a style of tennis. And, yes, I applied it to Venus Williams, but, you know, I, I could have applied it to other people. It had nothing to do with her race. Well, a number of people who don't understand that call up and complain. Um, and the New York Times on Twitter goes out and puts this out there, labeling it, uh, him, calling him, saying that he had the appalling, used the appalling term gorilla, G-O-R-I-L-L-A, which ignited the flames of anger and hatred against him, according to the lawsuit. So he says this, somebody from the New York Times picks it up, they send this out on Twitter, saying, hey, he called, you know, he essentially implied that Venus Williams was a gorilla, which would have been a racist term. All right, ESPN, ESPN fires him two days later. They, they, they fire him for this. He has now sued for wrongful termination. He says, by the way, in the lawsuit, he said, by the way ESPN chose to handle this non-issue, they effectively branded me, my character, and my reputation for the rest of my life. He says he's lost opportunities in the sporting and business worlds because no one will hire a racist. He claims he has suffered serious emotional distress and harm because he has been falsely accused of being the worst thing imaginable and something he clearly isn't and never has been all over the use of the word gorilla, G-U-E-R-R. I-L-L-A or G-U-E-R-R-I-L-L-A. It's, it's pronounced, sometimes you've got the double R, sometimes you've got the single R. A word, he says, that is commonly used in tennis. Right. 414-799-1620. 
800-877-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage toll-free talk line. Does this guy have a point? I mean, he, he did use the word gorilla in context of Venus Williams and gorilla effect. It caused you know ESPN to get a lot of heat, especially because the New York Times uh, picked it up and sent it out on Twitter, you know, saying that he had used the gorilla, the animal word, which, of course, would have been a racist effect. Does this guy have a point? Or, I mean, is it just, should he have realized that, gee, this is going to be misinterpreted? I can't use the term gorilla, G-U-E-R-R, or G-U-E-R-I-L-L-A, tennis, in reference to a black tennis player, because people will misunderstand. Did he deserve to be fired over this? 414-799-1620 is the number we discuss next. If you're on the line, please hold on. 1018, Jeff Wagner, 620 WTMJ. 1021, Jeff Wagner, 620 WTMJ. If you're just tuning in, a former tennis announcer has just sued ESPN. He was fired after a comment he made while covering the Australian Open tennis tournament on January 18th. He's covering a match with Serena Williams, and he says she's using the gorilla effect. Um, he means it's a common term in tennis. It goes back to Nike ads from the last 20 years, guerrilla tennis, like guerrilla warfare, an unorthodox style. Some people hear that and think he is calling Venus Williams a gorilla. And so they flood ESPN. The New York with complaints. The New York Times picks it up and says, hey, he used this appalling term. You know, he was describing her as a gorilla. ESPN fires the guy. He's now suing for wrongful termination. What do you think? Let's start with... Um, Let's start with uh, Dave in West Bend. Dave, good morning. You're at 620 WTMJ. Morning. There, there. I really think you should have used better judgment. Um, in that situation, you know, you could be a snowflake. It just got out of hand, and that's unfortunate. Okay, you think he should have used better judgment? Correct. Okay, what do you mean by better judgment? Not well, not using that term? Of, selection of the word, correct. Okay, if, if he were covering, let's say he were covering a, a white female tennis player and he right. said um mary is using the gorilla effect would that have been a problem not at all okay but it's it's only be, in your mind it's because it's because venus williams right. is black um and even though even though it is a common term even though there is no racist comment connotation in the con in the term he's using he should not have used it simply because she's black Okay, thanks for the call, 414-799-1620, 800-877-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage toll-free talk line. I mean, I look, if he had called her a gorilla, I understand, but but, but he didn't. He, he's, I guess what's frustrating to me is you, you have this, okay, you have some, because there's stupid people out there who don't understand that there are such things in this world as, as homonyms, you know, words that, that sound, that are spelled differently and have different meanings but sound alike. All right, the guy, he has to be tossed out for that. 414-799-1620, 800-877-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage toll-free talk line. I mean, look, it, especially since this term has been out there for, for decades, he wasn't even making it up, but still... It's it's guerrilla warfare, not guerrilla the animal. Rich on the north side. Rich, good morning. You're at 620 WTMJ. Hey, Jeff. Hi, Rich. You know, where do you begin? Yes. I mean, for one, <laughs> he, he shouldn't have been fired. You know that. I know that. Um, he obviously is um, uh, racist. He's not the same word as you very you put it very well. Yeah. Not the same word. Yeah. It's just not. And now we're at a point now where... Nobody can say anything. 
everybody can't wait to pick up that phone and 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 put somebody take them to task about some right. uh, implied racism or or actually inferred racism. Right. And here we are. Right. And, it's, and I tell you, it, it's very if scary. To, yeah, if you want, and that that's just this is a very slippery slope. And we're going to get to a point now where we, no one can say anything on TV unless you get it checked. If this was a black man, you say that this wouldn't even be a top ten job. Well, right, right, exactly. But they wouldn't have fired him. Thanks. For, they wouldn't have fired him because everybody would have said, "Well, no, clearly he wasn't calling her a, a, the the animal. He was referring to guerrilla warfare." I mean, which is just. I guess the, the, the see. Here's the thing. I understand that there's real racism in the world, and I understand that there's people out there who maybe just aren't as smart as other people, and they hear this and they say he, he called her a gorilla. But but he didn't. You know, he was using the term gorilla effect, which is a which is again a tennis term, and to fire him, I think, is absolutely appalling. And I think it's shameful that ESPN didn't stand up to this guy. And I mean. Candidly, I mean, the New York Times is to blame as well because you've got somebody that's, you know, writing for the New York Times that's flat out ignorant, too, that fans the flames of this. But, you know, once you look at it in context, and you say it's the grill effect. Hey, this is a term that's in tennis. My goodness, this was a Nike ad going back to the 1990s. That's clearly what he was saying. Instead of simply saying, we're sorry people might have misunderstood this, but this is not the word he was saying. There was nothing racist about it. ESPN caves in and fires the guy. Let's talk to Lou in Oconomowoc. Lou, you're on 620 WTMJ. Good morning. Hi, Jeff. Hi, Lou. I was just telling you, <laughs> appreciate the topic. Yeah. I, I actually stepped into this a number of years ago. Just, but um, first off, I want to preface this because there's going to be people out there going, well, he's a racist. My daughter is married to an Indian man. My other daughter is married to a Mexican gentleman. Okay, you're, you're so, not, you're not, if you're going to tell a story, you're not going to use the N-word, right? Because there's, there's something, okay, because there's something no, no, that's, no, no, okay, no. there's something that's there's, similar to the N-word, but I don't want to field, I don't want to no. field, you know, things saying, because I know, okay, all right, okay. No, sir, what happened was, uh, me and my wife were at a restaurant, and we had two young gentlemen standing in front of us, and they were hitting on the hostess, who was more than happy to be hit on. Well, we're standing there and standing there, and I'm, I'm being pretty patient, but my wife's getting kind of hot, so we need to be seated. I thought, just a minute, they're going to get, they're going to figure this out. Well, they didn't figure it out. So I finally kind of stepped up and, uh, I tried to get her attention. I couldn't. So I just said, Hey, so I said, Hey guys, let's quit the monkeying around and let's just, let's let it, let, let's lay right. to her job. Right. Well, anyway, and like I say, I don't look at color. I don't see it. But one, one, one of the kids, he's a young guy was black and the other was Hispanic. And, and they immediately say, it's a racial slur. You're a racist oh my God, because you're... they were going to beat me up. They wanted right. to, I would beat you up if you weren't an old guy. Right. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I just... yeah, it's like I'm using the term monkeying around. Yeah, no, I, I, no, I, yeah what I do you do? To explain, I try to explain to them there's history here. There's nothing. I, 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 said, I talked to my brothers that way. I mean, that's just what it was. It's history. Understand the history. There's nothing, con- there's no condemnation or Right, it, it, exactly. That. Right, right. Thank, right. It, it's just like that. It is just a phrase. It has no racial connotation at all. Ellen in Green Lake. Ellen, you're at 620 WTMJ. Good morning. Good morning, Jeff. I just wanted to say that I think that he said that because he didn't even think that there was a black person or a white yeah. person. He was just saying yeah right it, 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 it's a technique it's yeah. i mean i use the phrase guerrilla warfare it's a guerrilla yeah. tactic it has never occurred to me that 
I, I never meant when I used that phrase that there's a racial connotation. I'm thinking about guerrilla fighters or whatever, sure. But, but I think people just aren't listening. Well, or, or they just, or, 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 they're, or they're dumb, or they hear stuff, yeah. and they want to automatically assume the worst. I didn't want to say dumb, but, <laughs> but, well, but I, was, I no. was just thinking uneducated. Yeah, right, because there, there's some people who say, oh, gorilla, I, I don't understand. He must have called her the, the animal in the zoo, which would have, but without even recognizing that, hey, there's this other meaning of the word. Thanks for calling. There are homonyms that are out there, for goodness sakes. In any event, um, just th- this lawsuit was just filed yesterday. This is going to be a big story you're going to be hearing about today. And again, I just I say shame on ESPN for giving in to the forces of political correctness. And instead of standing up for this guy, who had obviously no racist intentions at all, used a phrase which is perfectly acceptable, but he's out of a job and he's going to be branded a racist for the rest of his life. Shame on ESPN. <laughs> Thirty-six, Jeff Wagner, six twenty, WTMJ. I'm still kind of back with that last topic. As somebody who I am perfectly capable of getting in enough trouble by what I say and what I intend to say, I'm just imagining what happens when you know you you have no intention at all. You use a word in a completely and a totally appropriate context, and then you get in trouble for for that because there are people out there who hear what they want to hear and were ignorant about, you know, what particular things mean, and then you're going to be held accountable for that. This guy has every right, I think, to sue um, ESPN. That annoying habit from your coworker? I don't have any coworkers that have annoying habits. No, we don't. Um, the traffic pet peeve that gets you every morning, like people running red lights on Hampton and Lydell? Outlawed if you could, and this afternoon you can. It ought to be a law during WTMJ today. That is at 2.07. Hey, I have. This is, it is a sign of the times, but it is good news for those of us who are golfers. Um, three county courses in Milwaukee and Waukesha are going to be open for business Friday. Here we are in the middle of February, and temperatures are supposed to be in the 50s. So here's the deal. Um, the plan is Grant Golf Course in South Milwaukee. Lincoln Golf Course, I grew up playing Lincoln Golf Course um, in Glendale, and Moore Downs Golf Course in Waukesha are now going to be open throughout the weekend and likely into next week as long as the weather holds up. Like I say, high temperatures expected to range from the high 40s on Friday to the mid-50s on Saturday and Sunday. Now, they caution. These are these are, these are are shorter courses, um, and they're not going to allow carts out because – I mean, my guess is Lincoln's, they're probably all really soggy. My guess is that Lincoln Park is going to be particularly soggy. It's right by the Milwaukee River there. But, um, so you're going to have to walk. But, and the courses, like I say, they're in, they're in winter condition. You know, nothing's greened up or anything like that. But if you want to just get out and swing the golf clubs, um, you're going to have a chance to do it. Uh, so a couple courses opening up. That is just, that is just good news. Now I understand I'm not naive. We are going to have, Winter is going to roar back, no question about it, but we're, we're halfway through February and things are working out. Okay. Kellyanne Conway, who is, I mean, she was, what would be the word, ubiquitous during the campaign as, you know, she's a senior advisor to Donald Trump. She was essentially the, the de facto spokesperson during the campaign. And, and she, I think, did an absolutely outstanding job during the campaign of, of taking the edge off and spinning 
some of the things that President now President Trump you know did during the campaign. I think that she was actually absolutely masterful. And in her current role as like a senior policy advisor, um, she's she's still out there and, and she's she's spinning. Well, I went back in advance of this topic, and I went back last night and I listened to this segment again because I honestly wanted to see if I was missing something. Uh, there are all these organized protests which are directed not at Donald Trump, but directed at Donald Trump businesses or businesses related to the Trump family. And there, there's a number of, like I say, retailers. You know, Sears announced that it was discontinuing a line of, of Trump home home products like bedroom and uh, dining room furniture. I didn't even know they had one. There's another protest that's aimed at, at Trump winery products. Ivanka Trump, you know, who is, is the daughter, Ivanka Trump has her, her own clothing line, who knew, and, and purses and, and clothing and then purses and I think jewelry and things like that. And there's all these organized efforts to force the various retailers to drop the, the Trump lines. We're never going to shop. We're never going to shop at your store unless you drop the, these lines. And so there's this organized effort to do this. Nordstrom's became one of the first companies to sort of cave in, in my opinion, to this this pressure, and they dropped they dropped they dropped the uh, Ivanka Trump line of clothing. Now Nordstrom says, "Well, we did it because it wasn't a great seller," and so we, we and and I, I'm sure that there is some truth to that. My guess is what happened in reality was the Ivanka Trump line of clothing probably wasn't the best seller in the world. Then they're getting all this pressure from these activists. You got to get rid of this stuff. So it, it just became easy. You know, if it was their top seller and they were making a ton of money, well, maybe they would have had a different position. But you're getting these protests. It's not that big a deal. It doesn't contribute to the bottom line. So you give in and, and you make them happy. That's what I think probably really happened. But obviously, President Trump probably is, I, I, and I, I get this, probably takes it very personally that you got these protesters that are going after businesses run by his family members and that some of these businesses are giving in. So in any event, uh, Kellyanne Conway, who is the, the spokesperson, and you've seen her out there a lot, she goes on Fox and Friends, well, a few days ago, um, from the White House briefing room, and, you know, she's she's talking about these efforts by activists to get retailers like Nordstrom's to stop carrying Ivanka Trump items. And so, you know, the back and forth is centered around that, you know, these protesters that are trying to affect Trump family businesses by doing this. And as this discussion goes on, in what is really a throwaway line at the end of the conversation, um, you know, she's denouncing the protesters and she's denouncing the attacks. And she says um, that Ivanka has a wonderful line of clothing um, and I'm going to, this is what gets her in trouble. This is the phrase. I'm going to give a free commercial here. Go buy it today, everybody. You can find it online. That's what she says. I'm going to give a free commercial here. Go buy it today, everybody. You can find it online. And again, it's just a throwaway line in response to here. You've got these organized protesters that are trying to, you know, go after Ivanka Trump now and, and their, and her father. Now, if I said that, it would not be a big deal. It's, it's, you know, I mean, if you want, if you want to, if you've got these businesses that are protesting uh, Palermo's pizza because they don't like the fact or, or you know, whatever, X pizza because, forget Palermo's, eh, 
we'll, we'll even take it out of that context. X Pizza Place uh, supports Governor Walker, and X Pizza Place is being targeted because of that. I, it's no problem for me to go say, hey, this is how I think you should respond to those protests. Go go buy some of those pizzas. It's no problem. Well, Kellyanne Conway is is a federal employee, and there is an ethics rule which bars a federal employee from using public office for private gain. So you're not supposed to use your position to advocate, you know, go buy something. You know, you're not supposed to be a spokesperson for Coca-Cola or something like that. So she says, I'm going to give a free commercial here. Go buy it today, everybody. You can find it online. Again, in the context of they're trying to attack President Trump um, through his daughter's businesses. This is how I think people should respond. So now you've got, you know, an ethics committee saying we want to have an investigation we think she needs to be disciplined. Some people are saying she needs to be fired. 414-799-1620, 800-877-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage toll-free talk line. I have had issues with Kellyanne Conway in the past and some of the things she's done, and I suggest that you know she might be kind of wearing out her welcome. But I think this is absolutely, totally much ado about nothing. And... You know, if there's reasons for Donald Trump to fire Kellyanne Conway, that that's fine. But I don't think this is one of them in context. 414-799-1620, 800-877-1620. To me, this is just another way of attacking President Trump and really stretching to find reasons. There's all sorts of other reasons I think you could probably attack him. This, to me, was a throwaway line in context. I, I think you understand why she said it. Should she have said it? Probably not. Is it a big deal? No. 414-799-1620 is the number we discuss next. If you're on the line, please hold on. 1045, Jeff Wagner, 620 WTMJ. 1048, Jeff Wagner, 620 WTMJ. Um, just a quick reminder, we podcast the shows. You have the ability to go to WTMJ.com, download those. In addition, we highlight a couple of our segments every day. Uh, always our three big things that we start the show out with. And also today you can link to our discussion that we had about the ESPN guy being fired for use of a particular word and this conversation we're having now. You can like download and read a little bit more background as well at WTMJ.com. Right now we're talking about Kellyanne Conway, who is the advisor for President Trump. She goes on Fox News and in an interview when they're asking her about these efforts to, you know, pressure businesses to boycott Trump's products, in this case, Nordstrom and the Ivanka Trump clothing line. At the end, she kind of says, here's what I'd say. I think people should go out and buy Ivanka Trump's Trump stuff. It's it's great. You can get it online. She's now being called on the carpet for violating federal ethics rules for using her public position to promote a private line. What should what should happen? Let's talk to Kelly and Racine. Kelly, good morning. Hi, Jeff. How are you? I'm well, thank you. Good. I just wanted to say that I'm a federal employee as well. I work as a letter carrier. Mm-hmm. We, the same rules that apply to her in that manner apply to every single federal employee, myself included. And I think in her high-profile position that she should have some concerns for what the rules actually are. I'm not saying she should get fired or anything like mm-hmm. that, but I feel like there should be some reprimand for her as there would be for any federal employee who violates those rules. So what... Let, let's let's say you're the you're the and the White House is what decides on ultimately. My understanding is like the white just like just like your bosses would be the ones to decide on what should happen to you. And there's a wide variety of things that could for for mm-hmm. what for what she did and in the context of of what she did. I mean, I I don't really think she was 
trying to personally enrich herself. This was kind of her response. What What do you think should happen to her? Um, I think she should admit that she did she did violate the rules of right. the federal government and possibly uh, something as simple as a apology. It's not going to mm-hmm. happen again. I right. didn't. Okay. I didn't really realize I wasn't supposed to do that, but she should realize what she should right. and shouldn't be doing. So, like a le- something like a a public acknowledgement, and then and a letter in her file or something like that. And that that you would think that that would be sufficient. Yes, for a first time offense like that. Sure, got it. Okay, thanks for calling. I think that I mean, and look, and I I mean, I understand she did. She she did. I mean, violate the rules. I was a federal employee for you know, twelve years or something like that, and 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 either she didn't know about it. Or because she was, I think more like, I'm not sure she was really aware of it and and thought about what she was doing. I think what was happening is she was trying to be clever. Was she personally trying to enrich Ivanka Trump? I I don't think so. Was she trying to enrich herself? Certainly no. But but words do have meaning. Let's talk to Wayne in Colgate. Wayne, you're on 620 WTMJ. Yeah, I think the problem is that uh, President Trump has filled his staff with rookies. There's no one there that knows what's going on. No one knows the rules. In her position, she should have known better. If she doesn't get fired, she should be suspended for a week. So, I mean, it's just absurd. Well, you say, okay, so suspended for a a week. So you think this this was, was a big deal? Well, she's sucking up to, to Trump. That's what yeah. she's doing. Well, she's, she's out not, there trying. I mean, she, I don't know sucking up, but she's she's her spokesperson. She's obviously trying to spin stuff for Trump. Right? I mean, yeah. Oh. Yeah, well, she stepped over the line, so she should either be fired or suspended. Okay. Th- thanks, Nicole. I guess I, I, think that, I, I think that is so totally out of proportion to what she did. I mean, it, what? If she was out there using her federal position to try to enrich herself, here. I, I, by the way, you know my or my my husband has this this line of of men. I don't know where her husband does. My husband, you know, this is what he does. You should check out his company. He does great stuff. Okay, something that would personally enrich her. I mean, again, I, I think you have to look at the context of what's going on. This is her responding to people who are attacking the president through the president's family and their businesses. And she's flippant, and she's wrong. I mean, she should not have done it. But I actually think our, our federal employer, first caller, Kelly, is is more in line. Okay, you get a letter of reprimand. I mean, my God, you, trust me, you would, you would not believe what federal employees can do and not get fired. Okay, so you're going to fire her for this? I think that that's a way overreaction. Victor in Shorewood. Victor, good morning. You're in 620 WTMJ. Yes, now I think it's just like you say, it's this political uh, gamesmanship mm-hmm. that, uh, yes, you should put it on our file, but it's not something that should be, you know, uh, right. taken to court or be, she should be expelled for. Yeah. Uh, I think the bigger picture is that, you know, there's just so much rhetoric going on in the media. You watch Saturday Night Live about Kelly and Conway, and these people get emotional and they say things they don't, they're trying to defend, you know, family members. Right. We need to get past this stuff and, and look at the bigger picture of bringing our country back. Right. Yeah, she was. She was being. She, I think she was. She. I. I think that she. She's having a little bit of difficulty transitioning from her role as pundit slash campaign spokesperson to federal employee. There's no doubt in my my mind she was trying to be clever when when she did this. You know that, and that was her response to this. And as as now a a federal employee 
Sometimes you, you can't be as clever as maybe you can be as a pundit. But I don't think there was evil intent, and I certainly don't think it was really intended to enrich anybody. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely right. 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 Thanks. I mean, you're right. She she was trying to be clever, and I understand. You know, words matter, and I'm not I'm not defending the remark. I'm just I, I've been watching for days and days as this controversy has blown up, and I keep thinking, oh my God, for all the different legitimate controversies that we have out there, and all these different concerns, and you know what you know what what's going to be going on with Russia, and all these real things, you know, we're, we're obsessing about this. Mary in West Dallas. Mary, you're on six twenty WTMJ. Hi, good morning. Good morning, Mary. Taking my call. Yes, ma'am. Um, I think it's a non-political statement, and that's what's got everyone up in arms. I think this is how we would talk around the kitchen table or yeah. the coffee table, and I think it's a little ridiculous they're spending so much time on this. Yeah, I mean, now, again, she's a federal employee, so I think I, I would have counseled her, hey, you got to be mindful yes. of this, and you shouldn't say you it. You can but, learn from her mistakes. Yeah, right. Th- th- this, to me, right, it's not the death penalty. Like I say, I, right. I just I know what you have to do to... In the federal government, I know what you have to do to fire people, and this right. it's not like she stole money. It's its not right. like, you know, it's just right. she was on Fox and Friends. No, thanks. I see That's how I kind of look at it, too. But, I mean, I, you won't believe how many trees are dying, you know, in Washington and New York to put out the papers and the day after day and these stories over this. And the latest one is now you've got the Ethics Commission that's recommending that there be something. Well, I mean, the White House said, okay, we counseled her. To me, that's how you handle it. You whistle her in and you say, look, I know what you were trying to do, but this is the rule. Do you understand how this could be interpreted? And please, you know, just don't let it happen again. And then, you know, we, we just move on. Jeff Wagner, 620 WTMJ. It's 1107, so glad to have you with us. 31 degrees outside, going up into the 50s. I was mentioning a few minutes ago, golf courses around here opening up. <laughs> oh, now they're going to probably close down again, you know, because we're going to get another touch of bad weather, uh, that would be my guess. But, you know, once we start getting into late February and March, even if you get that inevitable snow and stuff, it's it, it's gone relatively soon. So, uh, all right, enjoy this weather. Once again, check out our podcast page. We podcast my program in its entirety. You can sign up, have it downloaded, be notified when new things are up. Uh, Greg Matzik and Sports Central as well, plus a number of other voices that you don't hear on the radio as part of this whole WTMJ um, mobile application. Uh, the folks that have put this together have done a really, really good job with that, so check it all out. All right. There, there's a, it is one of the rarest things in the print media. There, there is actually a conservative columnist who writes for the Chicago Tribune. You you cannot find too many conservative columnists around. But the guy's name is John Cass. And he's really, he's, he's got, it's one of the columns I read, and it's extremely interesting. He's a local columnist, so he writes about Chicago issues. But some of the things he talks about have, have broader applications. Crime in urban areas is out of control. I understand when you say that, there are some of the apologists and defenders who will say, well, don't you understand, you know, per Per individual, um, the crime rate is actually lower now than it was in ni- the 1970s because, you know, per, you know, 100,000, because, you know, there's there's more people. So there's, even though the crime, the numbers of crimes are up, you know, statistically, if you compare it to the number of people, percentage-wise, it's perhaps not as great. Well, okay, that, that to me is how you lie with statistics. I mean, the, the truth is we live in a very, very dangerous environment you cannot listen to the radio news or turn on TV around here without a regular story about somebody getting carjacked. I mean, just what, two days ago, we were talking about that horrible story where 
you know, the, the, the two women, one who's nine months pregnant, 1130 in the morning, Bayshore Town Center. They're getting ready to go shopping at Kohl's. And some guy who has driven there in a stolen car comes running up, sticks a gun in their face, steals their car, tries to drive off with their kids in the car. Um, and is still, to my knowledge, at, at large. And he'll ultimately be caught after he carjacks somebody else and hopefully doesn't kill him in the process of doing that. So you have the, these crime stories that are going on. One of the things we see all the time as well, and this is what is frustrating to law enforcement, is the fact that these crimes that are being perpetrated are actually being perpetrated by a relatively small number of people. Most people are good, upstanding, law-abiding people. That's just the reality. But the other reality is you have a, a group, for whatever reasons, you have a criminal element in our society, and the criminal element is starting younger and younger. It's like witness that story about you know the 14-year-old who is now accused of killing, shooting and killing a 19-year-old and a 17-year-old during an armed robbery in West Dallas on Sunday morning. He's got a 13-year-old accomplice. That it's, there, there is a criminal element that is out there. And one of the things you talk to anybody in law enforcement— one of the things that they will tell you is it is so very frustrating because it's the revolving door. It's the same people over and over and over again who get caught and then get slapped on the wrist or no prosecution. We're going to give you another chance or double secret probation or whatever. And they keep committing crimes. And even when they commit certain serious crimes, like crimes with guns, can I ask you a show of hands? I don't care where you are on Second Amendment issues. Can we all agree that people who are not legally supposed to have guns, who go out and then carry guns or commit crimes with guns, that they should be held accountable and they should receive stiff sentences, right? That that to me is both gun control and crime control. If you're not legally supposed to have a gun, if you've committed a crime and you don't have the right to have a gun, then you go out and you commit another crime with a gun. Yeah, I say it's time for you to, you know, suffer consequences. If you're on your third or fourth carjacking situation and you haven't done any significant time, even if you're only 16 years old, yeah, I I think that there needs to be consequences for that. Now, one of the ways to deal with that is mandatory minimum sentences, which say, okay, if you're a felon, and I come from a federal system where we used to have that, if you commit a crime with a gun, there's a five-year mandatory minimum penalty that attaches to it in addition to the underlying crime. So you rob a bank, and the crime, the penalty for bank robbery is 25 years, and you stick a gun in the teller's face, there's an extra five years that gets tacked on. No questions, do not pass go, no parole. That's the system that, that I come from. Now, the judges hate it. They hate it because they say, we don't like to have our discretion taken away. The prosecutors don't like it because it limits their ability to plea bargain. Because, you know, if you, so what happens a lot of times is prosecutors um, end up subverting the intent of the legislature by not charging the mandatory minimum penalty. Gee, we don't want to send this guy to five years in prison because of whatever reason, so we're not going to charge this. So that's the way around mandatory minimums. Well, anyhow, John Cass has a column today that really caught my attention. It's something that he is calling for in Illinois. Now, Illinois, Chicago is just a, a war zone. I mean, it's an absolute war zone. And Donald Trump is in a fight with the mayor of Chicago. Trump is saying, hey, I need to bring the, I should have to bring the feds in 
to try to you know clean up crime. Well, I, I don't know that he can actually do stuff like that. But Chicago is a war zone, as are many of our urban areas. So this is something that Cass is talking about. He calls it the Judicial Accountability Act. And to make a long story short, what he says we should be doing is if you have people who commit crimes of violence or who carry firearms when they're not legally allowed to carry firearms and they are essentially shown mercy by judges, they're put on probation, they are not sentenced to lengthy periods of incarceration. They're put on probation, they're slapped on the wrist, they're given another chance. What he says, the Judicial Accountability Act, and this is the way he envisions it, he would say that if a judge is going to give something other than the maximum sentence, they need to put in writing why they are doing it, not just some offhand comments from the bench that you know, you're know you never going to see again, but rather reduce in writing, to put to writing an explanation of why they have decided to essentially give the three-time carjacker a break, why they have decided to give the felon in possession of a firearm something less than the maximum sentence. Put it in writing and explain it. And his theory is, if judges were required to do this, so it's sitting out there in a public file somewhere, and then the bad guy goes out and does something again, it would be clear and easy to hold the judge accountable. Because then, all right, you've got a 14-year-old. I understand there's the juvenile issues, but let's put that aside. You've got the 14-year-old who kills the two guys. And it turns out that the 14-year-old has been given multiple breaks. Um, All right, you can go back, and it's available to anybody who wants to see, number one, the judge who gave that person the break and the judge's rationale for thinking that that person deserved all right, you've been convicted of three carjackings. I'm not going to send you to prison for 10 years. All right, the judge is then on record. It's easy to find, and it's easy for the public to recognize that you've got judges that are doing this and therefore hold the judges accountable. 414-799-1620, That's the Acunet Mortgage Toll-Free Talk Line. Law enforcement, I know, is very, very frustrated at the revolving door, people who get caught and are sent back out on the street again and again. I know, if I hear from you, you are frustrated with the same sort of thing. And the big question is, who's the judge that did this? Why did the judge do that? And many times it's difficult, if not impossible, to find. This Judicial Accountability Act would still give judges the discretion, but it would require them to put in writing their reasons for doing this. And then when the person that they have slapped on the wrist goes out and commits another crime, well, then it can be made public by people like me. 414-799-1620 is the number. Would this be a good idea, and might it help to hold judges accountable? If nothing else, maybe this would inspire some people to run against certain judges who have a habit of handing out lenient sentences. Um, we discuss next. If you're on the line, please hold on. It's 1117, Jeff Wagner, 620 WTMJ. The Chicago Tribune columnist says, it's the Judicial Accountability Act. Let the public know what's going on in courtrooms. We discuss next. If you're on the line, please hold on. It is 
1120, Jeff Wagner, 620 WTMJ. Our own Gene Miller has just become a member of a club that, as he put it, he just doesn't understand. Costco. Check out his adventure shopping there and his latest blog up now at WTMJ.com's Wisconsin's Morning News page. Hondo, have you ever been to Costco? You have never been in a Costco store. Okay, I am uh, uh, my my best friend, my best friend Evan. He belongs to Costco. It, so every once in a while, I will go with him to Costco. He has bought tires at Costco. He, he bought, this is when, when he first moved back here and got an apartment now, he and his family completely relocated here. Um, needed a mattress for the apartment. And, and my buddy Evan checks out all these consumer stuff and all. And there was this one, there was this, this it, it's a mattress in a box. It, it's, it's, it's amazing. We bought it at Costco and, and it's, it's in a little box. And it, this is like a queen size bed. So we take it, it's, it's him and me. We, we buy it, we take it back. You know, we, we put it on the, this pedestal thing in the apartment and it, you know, just open it up. And it just, it's, it just kind of expands. It's the most incredible thing. And so then you spend, we spend about 15 minutes, like with me, with my chunky butt, you know, sitting on, on the ends. That's what you have to do because you have to sit on the ends to get it, to like press it down and all. But it was this incredible buy on this mattress. And, um, you know, he was saying it was one of the like, best mattresses that he ever had. And that, that came from Costco. So every once in a while, I will go to Costco with him. Um, it's, I've just never, I don't shop that much, so it's never really been, I've just never been bitten by the bug. But you go through Costco, and my God, there's, the liquor department is just unbelievable. Um, and, and again, it's, it's, it's big things of liquor, and it changed all the time. But I mean, I remember, you could walk through there, and, there, and there'll be interesting, it, it's not just like cheap stuff. I mean, there's interesting bourbons, and there's, inter, there's all sorts of interesting liquors there. So I'm, uh, Gene was overwhelmed by Costco. If you're an empty nester, I'm, but again, like I say, Evan buys tires from Costco and then bring them out and they install them. It's it's an interesting place. Okay, right before the break, we were talking about this article that John Cass wrote in the Chicago Tribune calling for judicial accountability. Now, I am a big proponent of, proponent of mandatory minimum sentences. I think, and I'm talking about mandatory minimum sentences that cannot be avoided. To me, that is that is the key. I understand you tie judges' hands, but you know what? So what? I think that there are certain, we need to set certain standards that say, all right, if you commit a crime, for example, with a gun, you're going to prison for at least three years, you're going to prison for at least five years, figure that out what it is. Don't pass go, don't do anything else. And if that means that you then start incarcerating uh, too many of this type of person or that type of person, too bad. The public has to be safe. And as I was saying earlier, the reality is, a lot of this crime which is being committed is being committed by a small, relatively small number of people who start early and become essentially career criminals, in some cases by the time they're 16 and 17 years old. There needs to be accountability to, number one, hopefully deter their behavior, but number two, to protect society from that element. To the extent that you don't have mandatory minimum sentences, I think this Judicial Accountability Act is a great idea. Make the judges explain in writing why they have decided to give the three-time carjacker a, a break and sentence him to 60 days or her to 60 days at the House of Correction or whatever instead of putting him in prison for five years. Now, does that stop them from committing new crimes? No, but it makes the judge go on record as having to say why he or she thought it was a good idea to turn this career criminal loose again or loose after a relatively short period of time, and then when that judge comes
comes up for re-election, if there's somebody that wants to run against him, it's easy. You can just go and you can, you know, pull out the files and you can easily find, hey, you know, this is how many people judge so-and-so turned loose without imposing significant sentences, and then this is the result of this. And at least you can kind of put it together and you can get an idea as to, and, and look, and I also get that, I get that judges make mistakes. There are some very tough sentencing judges who will from time to time decide to cut someone a break and they will be wrong. So, I mean, I, I understand it. It is, it is not a perfect form. But at the same time, there's also all sorts of judges that don't like to send people to prison or want to give people that don't deserve a second or third or fourth chance, they give them a fifth chance. And I think it would be easier. Anything that helps identify those judges, not to limit their ability to do it, but at least to make them maybe think twice, because if they're taking yet another chance on somebody that doesn't deserve one, maybe if that person goes out and commits a crime, maybe then they'll be held accountable. Judicial Accountability Act, I'm all for it. It's 1125, Jeff Wagner, 620 WTMJ. It's 1127, Jeff Wagner, 620 WTMJ. The free market has spoken. Last week, I was telling you the story about Toby Keith, country country performer. Um, And and Toby Keith is one of the, uh, from a worldwide perspective, um, you know, one of the highest grossing performers around. One of the cool things about Toby Keith, though, is while he plays stadium shows and things like that, he also very much remembers his roots. So he'll also play smaller venues as well. The guy is a classic example of of a working artist. You know, he, he goes and he does lots of shows. So um, Naperville, Illinois, Naperville Rib Fest has booked Toby Keith to play at Naperville Rib Fest. Um, he's going to be performing on, on June 30th, which is the, the opening day of, of the show, of the, the Rib Fest. And I know I was kind of kidding around last week about, well, where is your career when you're playing Naperville Rib Fest? But uh, he, he, that's what he does. He, he likes to be touring. He's on. He performs in all these different venues. You can do the stadiums, but you can also do this. Well, Toby Keith, you might recall, also performed um, at the pre-inauguration activities. And as a result of that, in some segments of the community, he has become persona non grata. How dare you perform you know, at the inauguration or the pre-inauguration parties for Donald Trump. You, you just can't do this. So after Naperville books him, there is this effort, again, launched on social media, just like, you know, people on social media are going after, you know, any business that has any ties to Donald Trump. Um, they're going after this Naperville Rib Fest. Boycott this. Pressure Naperville Rib Fest to disinvite Toby Keith how dare we bring somebody that performed, you know, how dare we bring somebody that performed at the Trump inauguration here? So there was organized effort, and it, it was so intense that actually it had a couple of the organizers wondering, well, gee, what's going to happen? You know, we're, we're hey, we, we do this for charity. You know, we're, we're trying to raise money. Last thing we want to do is get in the middle of this big political brouhaha. But ultimately, they said, well, no, we're we're not going to cancel the guy just because you have a bunch of cranks on the Internet who are going after us. Well, here's... Here's the interesting thing. Apparently, after this flap broke out, they're now saying that they have sold more tickets in the first three days than they ever had before. Their general admission tickets that were specially priced at 30 bucks 
sold out in less than two hours after going on sale. The VIP tickets were also sold out, and most of the most expensive tickets tickets are also sold out as well, including the meet and greet for Toby Keith. So in this particular case, um, the effort to try to, we're going to punish the performers for having the audacity to perform at a Trump event, um, at least in this case, it's not working. So kudos to everybody who purchased tickets to see Toby Keith at the Naperville Rib Fest. It's 11.34, Jeff Wagner, 620 WTMJ. Uh, one more game before the All-Star break. The Bucks are in Brooklyn this evening taking on the Nets and looking for their third straight win. Our coverage starts with Ted Davis's Buck Shots at 6.10. That is here on WTMJ. All right, I I, I am not... I, I Again, I during the campaign, I was not a Trump supporter. Um, I, I do think that there, there's been some rocky rollouts to a lot of the, the stuff that's been going on over the course of the last month or so. But, but at the same time, I also think we're in a situation where, because of who he is, you have people that are not inclined to give Donald Trump any sort of breaks at all. And I admit that some of the stuff they've done, for example, the rollout on the, the immigration ban, it's been, was just incredibly ham-handed. The, the story about Russia, though, I, I think, does need to have a little bit of analysis because I'm not sure that there's really even smoke, much less fire. Let me share with you the the New York Times story. And, and the New York Times and the Washington Post are all over this. And there's there's aspects of this story that bother me that I, I'm not hearing a lot of commentators talk about. Here's the story, for example, that appears today in the New York Times, or a portion of it. Trump campaign aides had repeated contacts with Russian intelligence. Okay, so bear with me. This is what they write. Phone records and intercepted calls show that members of Donald J. Trump's 2016 presidential campaign and other Trump associates had contacts with senior Russian intelligence officials in the year before the election, according to four current and former American officials. Okay, so you've got four American officials who are talking to the press about supposedly classified intercepts that were made. American law enforcement intelligence in, in, a, and intelligence agencies intercepted the communications around the same time they were discovering evidence that Russia was trying to disrupt the presidential election. The intelligence agencies then sought to learn whether the Trump campaign was colluding with the Russians on the hacking of the Democratic National Committee or other efforts to influence the election. The officials interviewed in recent weeks said that so far they had seen no evidence of such cooperation. Right, so you you have people who are privy to private intelligence information who are apparently now speaking to the New York Times and or the Washington Post. The officials said the intercepted communications were not limited to Trump campaign officials and included other associates of Mr. Trump. Um, on the Russian side, the contacts also included members of the government outside of the intelligence services. All of the current and formal officials spoke on the condition of anonymity because the continuing investigation is classified. All the current and former officials spoke on the condition of anonymity because the continuing investigation is classified. Let me translate this. You apparently have four American, four Americans with access to classified materials who are speaking to the media. Now, is that not a crime? I mean, is that not potentially treason? 
I mean, seriously, and, and this is, but it's like, okay, we're, we're, we're not going to, we're not going to allow our names to be used because the information is classified and theoretically we are committing a crime by sharing this information with you. That's not a story. All right. It continues. The officials who are leaking classified information said that one of the advisors picked up on the calls was Paul Manafort, who was Mr. Trump's campaign chairman for several months last year and had worked as a political consultant in the Ukraine. The call logs and intercepted communications are part, which again are all classified, are part of a larger trove of information that the FBI is sifting through in its investigation. Mr. Manafort, who has not been charged with any crimes, dismissed the accounts in a telephone interview on Tuesday. This is absurd. I have no idea what this is referring to. I have never knowingly spoken to Russian intelligence officers, and I have never been involved with anything to do with the Russian government or the Putin administration or any other issues under investigation today. He said, it's not like these people wear badges to say, I'm a Russian intelligence officer. And then one of the key parts, several of Mr. Trump's associates, like Manafort, have done business in Russia. And it's not unusual for American businessmen to come in contact with foreign intelligence officials, sometimes unwittingly, in countries like Russia and Ukraine, where the spy services are deeply embedded in society. Law enforcement officials did not say to what extent the contacts might have been about business. So in other words, it is entirely possible, and you have these guys who are doing business with people in Ukraine, who are talking about business deals, and the U.S. government, for whatever reasons, thinks or believes that these business people also have ties to Russian intelligence or or whatever. So you got a guy who's maybe negotiating a deal to bring such and such a product to Russia or whatever, and that person is believed by the government to also be in cahoots with the Russian government and is labeled a quote-unquote spy. So now they're getting caught on this stuff. Now, look, I'm not defending the, the, the Trump administration. And if there was collusion on policy, absolutely. But number one, I am extremely troubled by the fact that you have members of the intelligence committee, a community, people who are involved in investigation with access to classified and or secret information who have decided that they hate Donald Trump so much that they are going to give interviews on the condition of anonymity because if they gave their names, they would, number one, be fired, and number two, probably be subject to prosecution. But uh, they're, going to give these in, they're going to give this information, which is, of course, it might be true, it might not be true. It's really very difficult to vet this type of stuff. Number two, I, I guess my, my question is, you know, if there's no evidence, this was about colluding to affect the election, and all this was is you've got American businessmen who have contacts with Russia who are trying to do business with Russian businessmen who, in the case of Manafort, he says, I, I don't know spies. I, I'm just, I'm, I'm a business guy. Yes, I'm talking to people in Ukraine. I'm talking to people in Russia because I talk to people who do business. It's part of my business. If that's the case, I mean, you know, really, Trump campaign aides had repeated contacts with Russian intelligence. All right, is that perhaps overstating the story? Like I say, I think there's a couple aspects of this. Number one, if people are leaking classified information, they should not be in government anymore. They should not have access to it, and they should probably be behind prison bars. That's number one. Number two, this is why 
you have investigations to avoid people being smeared by innocent sort of behavior that is given, I don't know, criminal overtones. Again, I'm not going to defend Donald Trump. And if there's evidence that says that he was colluding with the Russians and behind hacking of the Democratic National Committee to try to get elected, well, he deserves to be held accountable. He deserves to be impeached. People deserve to go to jail if that's in fact true. But there doesn't appear to be any hard evidence, even light evidence, suggesting that that was the case. And what you have is you do have people who apparently are violating U.S. laws right and left in cahoots with The Washington Post, in cahoots with The New York Times, in an effort to smear Trump and his advisors. Donald Trump doesn't need me to defend him, but guess I am very concerned with the idea that you have government officials with access to classified information who apparently think it's okay to go run and release that classified information to the news media if it serves their purpose. In this case, the purpose being to try to smear Donald Trump. It's 1146, Jeff Wagner, 620 WTMJ. He's the leader of the free world, the most powerful person in the country. But presidents are still people, too. What do we know about the secret lives of presidents past? Get the whole story on Wisconsin's Morning News with Gene Miller, 751 tomorrow. All right. As I've said repeatedly, Fox uh, polls in general, I think you can make a strong argument after the last few years that polls are not worth the paper that they are printed on. Pollsters struggle to get representative samples, and I personally will not be fooled again. So when I see polls saying this candidate's going to win or that candidate's going to win, I will take them with a healthy grain of salt. But nevertheless, they're interesting talking points. If you watch the talking head shows or read newspapers, you, you will get the idea that everybody thinks that Donald Trump is doing a terrible job. Well, Fox News is out with a poll and um, they surveyed a lot of people February 11th to um, the 13th. So a wide range of a wide range of people that that, you know, were were surveyed. Um, and they asked a series of questions, including the bottom line question, do you approve or disapprove of the job that President Trump is doing? Now, you would think if, again, if you watched a lot of the mainstream media, you would think that, that the numbers would be completely and totally underwater. Huge disapproval ratings. Interestingly enough, in a poll that skewed slightly to Democrats, they surveyed 42 percent Democrats, 32 percent, 39 percent Republicans and the rest independents. Here's the number. Forty eight percent approve. 47% disapprove, essentially even. Um, of the 48% that approve, 35% strongly approve, 13% somewhat approve, 41% strongly disapprove, 5% somewhat disapprove. So the people that disapprove of Trump, by and large, strongly disapprove of him, but still by a, a very narrow margin, 48 to 47, within the poll's uh, margin of error, People approve of the job he's doing. Okay, we only have a couple minutes left. 414-799-1620, 800-877-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage toll-free talk line. All right, where do you come down on that scale? If you have been called by the pollster from Fox News and asked, hey, do you approve or disapprove of the job the president is doing, what would you have said? How would you have answered this? 414-799-1620, 800-877-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage toll-free talk line. I will tell you, I am not necessarily surprised by by these numbers. I understand that there are all these protesters that are out there. I understand that there is all this sound and fury. And I also understand that some of it, I think, is 
has been brought about by the way some of these initiatives have been been implemented. So, I, I mean, I, I get the fact that there's all these lightning rod issues that are out there. But just like I think the mainstream media and some of the chattering class missed what was going on in America in the run-up to the election, I think a lot of those same people are missing what is going on here. And that is that even though there are people who have, you know, issues with perhaps like me, the, the way certain things are being rolled out and believe that in some respects, you know, you've got operatives who are doing things that indicate that maybe they're not ready for prime time. At the end of the day, whether it's the appointment of somebody like Neil uh, Gorsuch to take over the Supreme Court or whether it's not, whether it's the idea of putting a temporary halt on immigration from certain countries or whether it's the fact that you've got a commitment to reduce regulations or whether it's the fact that at least, you know, since the election, the stock market has done nothing but go up, meaning that lots and lots of people, um, well, their portfolios have gone up. I think that there's a lot of people out there who, you know, certainly do support the president. I am not surprised by this. You wouldn't necessarily know it again if you watch the mainstream media. But I think a lot of people, that silent majority out there, do approve of what Donald Trump is doing. I'm not surprised by this. 414-799-1620, That's the Accident Mortgage Toll-Free Talk Line. Do you approve or disapprove of the job the president is doing? 1154, Jeff Wagner, 620 WTMJ, Lou and Brown Deer. Lou, good morning. What kind of good job morning, is Trump doing? How, good morning, sir. How are you? I am well, thank you. What kind of job is Trump doing? Valentine's Day. Yeah. <laughs> thank you. I strongly approve of what Trump is doing. Strong, so you'd be in that category, not just approve, but strongly approve. Strongly approve, because now you have the feeling that something is being done in this country. And we have, we're starting to get the protection here. And uh, he's done more in his 100 days than Obama did in eight years. Well, he certainly, I mean, thanks. There's certainly things are moving. There's no question about that. And a lot of the stuff that he's doing is still, I think, kind of under the radar that you've got the mainstream media that's focusing on a couple of the high-profile things. And I mean, I understand this isn't a criticism, but you're getting all this attention that's being paid on, for example, the immigration laws and things like that. At the same time, getting rid of a lot of the, the regulations, the unnecessary regulations, that's kind of flying under the radar. But the business community is certainly noticing that, and certainly investors in the stock market are noticing that. Mark and Franklin. Mark, good morning. You're on 620 WTMJ. Oh, good morning. Good morning. You know, my wife and I were just talking about that the other night with, with Trump. You know, we may not have loved him, and we may not really want him to be our president, but he is, and he's stirring the pot, just like he promised during his uh, his, uh, his campaign. <laughs> and he's trying to find out, really, from the Democrats, what is important to them. What do they want to make the real big fight over? Right, right. I, I think that's, a, that's an excellent plan, especially with someone that doesn't know how government works. Right, do you so, think, um, so if you were asked this question, approve, strongly approve, where would you come down into the category? Oh, Right now, strongly approved. Strongly approved. No, right. Oh, no, right. Thanks. Is. No, and I, I mean, I think. Thanks. I mean, see, I mean, again, I, I, I mean, look, I, I think there's been mistakes and missteps along the way, but I wrestle with the idea: is this a cosmetic thing, or is this is it a fundamental wrong direction thing? And candidly, with regard to many of the things, I, I think he's on the right track. The, the immigration order should have been handled differently. 
And if he were taking advice from me, you would go back and you would rewrite the order to avoid a lot of the problems they're having in the court instead of just simply digging in their heels. But still, I mean, there is potential. But in any event, if you think it's all bad news and if you think that everybody in the country is part of these organized protests that are out there, to the extent you want to believe any polls, the, the latest Fox News poll says the country is split. 48 approve, 48, 7% disapprove. All right, somebody that we all approve of. How about that for a segue? Eric Bilstadt, <laughs> WTMJ Today with Steve Scafidi. Hello. Hi. Hello. How hey, about Jeff? that for a segue? Yeah. See, there you go. And by the way, I, you don't need a poll to know whether or not the, the country is split. I, I could have just told you that. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Well, actually, though, I guess my point was, if, if you look at a lot of the coverage, I would have thought it would have been much more disapproved than approved. I mean, yeah. I just the, the fact that it's 50-50, I thought was interesting. What do you got coming up on the big show? Well, Donald Trump is speaking to the press right now, along with the Israeli Prime Minister, Benjamin Netanyahu. We have some highlights that we'll bring to you. He did mention Michael Flynn, of course, the gentleman who resigned earlier this week. Westminster Dog Show is done. Rumor wins. Yeah. Rumor has it. What else can I say about rumor? I, She's a wa- wonderful did, dog. Did you watch it? Oh, well, we knew that she was in the running, and she almost won it last year. So, of course, you have to pop it on. I would, well, no, I, would, I mean, I, I watched it. You were it. all in. I, 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 my, my dog, my little dog sat and watched it. We, we watched <laughs> it. I was telling the morning news folks. I, we, that's, how I spent, that's how I spent last night. I mean, I, I was sitting there. I had a glass of bourbon, and Sasha had her little bowl of water, and we were mm-hmm. sitting there watching the dog show. And that's probably the only way I would watch a dog show is with a nice glass <laughs> of bourbon. It was actually, I, you know, I'm, I'm telling you, I, I kind of got drawn into it. I. I, I'm glad rumor won. I, I actually I was I was a little bit biased about the terrier. I thought the terrier you did a nice job around. too. Yeah, so I was I was pulling for that. So rumor got a steak this morning for breakfast. You know, nice. a couple of days ago we reached out to Ken Boyles. He's the handler from Edgerton, Wisconsin, of course. And we just said, hey, we know you're headed back. Want to come on the show? And he said, well, maybe after you know, maybe after I'll come on, just because he didn't want to jinx anything. Well, now. You call his cell now, and its mailbox is full. He's not answering texts. It, it, he's a little busy after winning. So, um, well, that's okay. So yeah, we're talking that. More, right. more power to Ken. And uh, I don't know if you covered this today. The the story out of ESPN. Yes, there was the announcer. Yes, uh, with Vanessa Williams playing tennis, and what the announcer said. Venus Williams. Yes, Venus right. Williams. So right. Thank he, you. He, yes. he says she's engaging in in. Gorilla, like essentially gorilla tennis, G U E R R I L L A, and you have a bunch of people who say, "Oh, he's using a racist term." Yes. Mm-hmm. yes, so he was fired. Now he's suing. suing. Does he have a case? Absolutely. All right, stick around. It's WTMJ today. I am out of time. I'm back eight thirty tomorrow morning when we do it all again. Have a great Wednesday. Enjoy the weather. Jeff Wagner, six twenty WTMJ.